When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a tripe supper with a difference today as we have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Glenn Durant, BDO number one, head of this year's Lakeside World Championships. Adam Steele is here as well, the Gazette's dart specialist, if he doesn't mind me calling him that. No, pre- no pressure there, mate. <laughs> uh, Adam's going to have a good chat with Glenn about, uh, about this year, about the upcoming World Championships, about the last 12 months. Uh, we'll have a chat about Glenn, Glenn's love of the borough as well. First things first, Glenn, and, and thanks a lot for joining us. It really is appreciated. Just back to where it all started, I guess, where you were darts, how you got into it and how, and how it became you know, your job. I was a very good billiards player uh, and I was on the Teesside uh, Games night front and I was, I was playing billiards in the Grangetown St Mary's Club uh, and then there was short one night for a game of darts and when I played and won that match, I'd never had that feeling at snooker or billiards and it was something that uh, was totally different to me and I've got that type of personality that when I'm when I'm going to do something I'll put all my effort into it and then I reached county youth standard and played a uh, very high level with uh, county youth and that was about till 1989 but like many players who do and who are good juniors you know I met my wife started a family bought a house etc uh, and I didn't throw a dart in between 1989 to 1999 uh, and then a choice meeting with a uh, chance meeting with my former captain sort of you know was a catalyst really of me getting back into the game just before the millennium and before that there was no for you, you were you missing it was there any no, I never thought I'd, no I never thought of darts and uh, quickly trying to wrap my brains now I'm pretty much I just became a family man and you know living on very little money you know I'd always worked etc so you know the social side would be you know the occasional night out with my wife but you know not the uh, not the job of um, playing darts three, four nights a week like players had to to reach the standard they wanted to be at. And, and Adam, obviously, will talk about the last 12 months, which has been hugely successful. But just from me before that, looking back even to 99, 2000 to now, it's a different sport, isn't it? Uh, the, the Barry Hearn factor comes into it as well. It's uh, not just a sport, you know, it's a business now. And, uh, you know, uh, on TV, terrestrial TV on Sky TV you know it's up there with with the, with football now and uh, you know there's a lot of money out you know on offer there and uh, it's a real business it's a, you know the the crowds are taken to it and uh, yeah it's a fantastic product that we have now and it's up to us to move that forward as well you know as we as we take the game worldwide because you know when you go to Asia and you know, parts of Europe there, you know, the Romania, Bulgaria, then Poland, they're absolutely darts mad. And, you know, once the Chinese master the game and, and things, the game will go global and, uh, you know, it's a bright future for any young darts player. Was there a moment where you realised that there was a living to be made out of the game? Yeah, probably in the past two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very, very happy with the balance in my life, with, with the work and with darts. Uh, and, you know, and many people will ask why I'm still working. Um, you know, but life is about balance, and uh, I pick and choose my current tournaments. You know, if I did decide to do something else and take it up full time, then you know, to you know, to to continue working would be very, very difficult. You were talking to me and Adam before, and about how many hours go in and that sort of thing. How how do you balance it? How yeah. do you balance the work and the and the practice? I sit behind a desk all day, so it's not the most physical demanding job, but you know, mentally, I've got a very stressful, difficult job, lots of responsibility. Um, so for me, when I go home on a night, you know, between the hours of six and eight, is my time, my, my exercise more than anything, but it's my time between uh, six and eight. And I'm one of them players, I'm not naturally gifted darts player, it's, uh, I'm someone who's worked extremely hard to, you know, to reach the standard I've got to now. So, um, you know, if the players are going to beat me in the BDO currently, they're going to have to have work hard because I can tell them that behind the scenes I continue to work very very hard. Is there a norm for practice you know is there a in terms of hours per night hours per week? I loved I loved a, um, a saying by uh, John Park once and it's about quality practice and you know I, I watch these young players and I, I watch many players and 
they're practicing for hours and hours and I do eight hours a day Glenn but I think it's quality rather than quantity uh, it took me a long time to work out my perfect practice regime um, but James Wade said to me in an exhibition in Loftus once only practice what you were doing a match and when I asked him to explain that he, he said no because no one had explained to him what it meant um, so you know I was someone who would go for double one double two double three then the treble treble one treble two then I thought when would I ever throw mm. up a treble two in a match when would I ever throw up a treble three in a match so I took that on board reduced my practice from you know because at one point I was practicing five hours a day uh, but now it's quality two hour practice though if you listen to Phil Taylor you know it, 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 in his prime the 90s early 2000 he would say he was working eight hours a day so I guess it doesn't it's not one fits all and Adam whatever he's obviously doing at the minute is working because it's been quite a brilliant year for Glenn yeah, well it has uh, first can I just ask was it an ambition to become video number one did you set your stall out to think right I'm going to reach the pinnacle of my sport this is what I want to do or has it been like a a gradual rolling process that's got to this point that you're at at the moment? I think if you'd asked me Adam I had one dream and that was to put an England shirt on uh, and there was a moment at the uh, it was a Welsh Rugby Union Premiership game where the British internationals were played at uh, and the England manager the night before knocked on my door and said you're getting your first cap tomorrow and I thought nothing would ever beat that and that, that was a case of like I could have closed the book then and said yeah you know, my, my life of doubt was a good one um, so, so then at that point I would never once thought I was going to be BDO number one but I just suddenly learned how to win and you know, suddenly was winning big northeast tournaments they were turning into big opens that then led to the international opens and before long I was you know, being talked about as one of the most consistent players on the circuit uh, and I guess around about that point I thought you know, number one is achievable Why this year then? Why is it sort of everything's come to fruition it's 11 BDO tournaments you've won now it's almost like uh, non-news Seagull spotted at red card Durant wins again but you, you keep knocking them out I think it's a culmination of, of many things and many things I've touched on already I think my experience like I, I said to Dom there I, I don't think I'm the most natural dad player so a lot of hard work many hours you know cold Tuesday night uh, two buses to go to the Stockton League to play an individual's game you know I've started right at the bottom and I just think it's a culmination of hard work and learning how to win uh, and you know the consistency has just come there and uh, consistency and that will just breed confidence uh, and now I am going into tournaments thinking you know I can win this tournament you know I've got a chance here and I've been here and I've beat these players before and it's a great feeling to have. Do you feel like you've put a gap between yourselves and the rest in the video? Not really, but the guy I'm working with mentally is that's what he's trying to say, saying you're a step above everybody. When you're at your best, Glenn, you're the best player. But I, I, there's, there's just a part of me that, that has got a very negative side and you know I still get a little bit... Uh, I played Tony O'Shea at the weekend in Holland and I'm like, I'm stood on the hockey thinking, I'm playing a real legend here. You know, so there's part of me there, I've got to be a little bit more ruthless and I hope we touch on a little bit more about my experiences with the Phil Taylors and the Van Gerwens because they're so focused, they're so about them, they're so believe in their abilities and, and that's something that probably I haven't done over the years. I'm probably a little bit shocked to, you know, that I am a two times world yeah. master, that, that I have won over 20 tournaments and it's, you know, there's a, sometimes there's a real reality check there and uh, maybe that's just a weakness on my part. Right. But surely that'll come. I mean, you mentioned that ruthlessness there, and we were talking about beforehand your, your experiences at the Grand Slam. You, you've seen the Taylors and the Van Gerwens work up close and personal. Now, what, what is it that you can glean from them? Yeah, I watched them, Adam. I was watching them, what they were drinking, how they practised. I mean, there was, you know, Peter Wright was giving me advice, and I'm sat there thinking, I'm getting advice here off a guy I admire so much. But I took an awful lot in that week. It wasn't just about the darts. The first leg against Gary Anderson, I just I was taken in the surroundings. I was thinking, well, I threw 12 darts here. I didn't have a clue where I was, uh, but there was a moment in the second leg when I opened up with a 180s, the first three darts, and then won the leg. And then from that moment on, I, I just felt really relaxed. And the first time I'd been in a tournament for many years where I wasn't the favourite, uh, there was a lot of talk. I mean, Wayne Mardle was bullying me up an awful lot, but that was about the only pressure I had. But fabulous week and something I'll something I'll take as a real positive from 2016
Do you get a lot of compliments behind the scenes, or is it still an intense rivalry among the players? I think they were very interested in me. I think you know maybe I should have qualified the year before, being the being the world master. Then and I think people were a little bit intrigued, and they were interested. You know how I played, but you know the feedback was the feedback was very very positive and. You know, if I said to you now that I'm regularly talking to people like Gary Anderson, you know, Ray Barnevelt, you know, they're talking to me now, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a little bit surreal, it's a little bit uh, just trying to keep a grip, but I think they want me to go over to the PDC, I think, you know, that, that the advice they were giving me is that, you know, you've been loyal, you've won things in the BDO, you know, you're closer to 50 now than 40, you know, so it's like now is the time, uh, and that's the kind of advice they were giving me. Right. What do you make of that advice? It's a big compliment for a start, but what do you think about going forward? Yeah, and I, I know well, I know what I'm doing now. It's just I just want to be very, very respectful to to the BDO. I want to be very respectful to the PDC, and I just want to make sure that I am making the right decision in in regards to my job as well. So there's many there's many um, parameters there that and many choices I can make, um, but I know I've made my decision now, but. I just have to sit down with the right people and I, I've got to focus on Lakeside yeah. that's the only thing I really want and within 24 hours I'll let people know what my um, my 2017 will entail but at this moment I'm just asking people to be respectful in the sense that I just want to focus on the world championships Right, it's the kind of final chapter of the BDO book potentially I mean how confident are you that you can get over the line this time you had a couple of near misses a quarter final defeat semi final defeat I guess I'm the man to beat I'm a you know two to one favorite um the number one seed but what I would say to you Adam is that when in that week anything can happen you've got to watch Scott Waits uh is the best example he doesn't show an awful lot of interest throughout the year you know I, I watch him and as soon as that goes to, to Lakeside he goes down to this little workman's club but when he gets on that stage in that back room, he has a he has a real awe about him. He's a big guy, Scott, and he has a real awe when he's at the lakeside. And uh, it's as if he wakes up or he's he's only playing darts that one week of the year. I mean, this is a guy who's won two lakesides. He's won a Grand Slam, a runner-up at the Slam. This guy knows how to win, and if he's motivated, he's tough to beat. Um, whereas I'm still fighting for my first title, uh, but I bring all the confidence in of. Um, you know, of winning during the year, but there is an awful lot of you know banter between the lads. And Scott at the weekend said, "Yeah, you continue to win the Masters, the Dutch, the five grand tournaments here. You know, when it comes to the Lakeside, I'll take the hundred grand prize." So that's the kind of man he is. You know, he's he believes in his ability and he believes in in that one week of Lakeside, he'll get it right and he'll go on to win the tournament. What was your response to that, or what I, is your response to that? Don't get involved in a war of words. It's just I, I could have done, but then all of a sudden you're just raising your blood pressure. You're just you're biting. So just for me, I just you know I just water of a duck's back for yeah. me. It's just I'm there. I've got I've got a very select amount of friends. You know the Jamie Hughes, the Jim Williams, the James Hurrell. You know we we just we're a close knit, and uh, you know we fight each other's battles. But when it comes to verbal, yeah. uh, I'm not the man for that. You seem to have a very calm temperament and you mentioned consistency as well yeah. and you mentioned your kind of humble background mm -hmm. is it a combination of just staying staying focused staying calm and, and having that kind of grinding working class mentality to just keep on producing keep on going to work almost on the hockey that's a great question and i just think when you're from teesside you, you, that's instilled in you i'm hard working and if i got above my station there'd be plenty of people including my parents and family would knock me straight back down and that's why I've got the best wife in the world you know when she was growing up her brother was a, an Olympic boxer Peter Richardson and uh, you know when I first met her nothing really impressed her because she'd lived with this lad who was you know one of the probably one of the best amateurs to ever come out of uh, Great Britain you know and a, a Commonwealth gold medalist and Olympic quarter finalist so she's great and, and when I played Wesley Harms at the Masters it was just me and Susan down there and she was like saying you know what are you getting nervous for why were you rubbish there and she was not like the others were like you know is it, is it the crawling around you that oh you'll be fine Glenn you were marvellous she tells you as it is and uh, it, and I just think the people of Grangetown the people of Teesside you know if I did get above my station uh, they would let me know so I just think that's just part of who I am. It must be really useful having that honesty in your life as well because the last thing you need when you're an athlete is people 
blowing smoke yeah. constantly. You know yourself deep down when you perform them when you know. And there's enough of them friends. You know, mm. I'm, I'm big on social media. I love my Facebook. I love my Twitter. You know, and but four thousand eight hundred of them. You know, yeah. You know, they're saying you're fantastic, Glenn. When you're playing absolutely rubbish, you know, no matter what I do, they think I'm the greatest. But when I, you know, my real true friends will let me mm. know exactly when I play well, and I'm very, very grounded, and that's just, you know, just good parents, you know, just good background, and uh, you know, sometimes I want to jump in the air and punch the air and get in a war of words and whatever, but that just doesn't yeah. make it conducive to good darts for me. You look a lot more comfortable up there now in terms of not getting carried away as well. You were always very demonstrative with your body language. You seem to have reined that in a little bit. Yeah, I've got to mention a guy called Stephen McKibben, and hopefully Stephen listens to this podcast because uh, you know he's played a big part in that, and that was his immediate thing. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and you know you have to watch Scott Mitchell. If you watch the Scott Mitchell of round about two thousand and eight and nine, he was just admiring the surroundings. He was he couldn't believe who who he was playing, and he was losing first round, second round, and then he turned into this monster of someone who was so focused, you know, no, nothing fit. You couldn't tell if he did one hundred and eighty or if he did forty one, and I asked him how he turned into that person, and uh, you know, he mentioned this hypnodart guy who's worked with a lot of dart players and turned losers into winners really, and uh, he immediately said my biggest weakness was it. You know, when you're falling to your knees, when you're what you're just giving uh, ammunition to you, you know, to the person you're playing. So, I'm not as focused as I'd like to be, but um, you know, but I'll always show my emotion. You know, and I, you know, I do my best. I wear that Middlesbrough badge up with pride, and you know, sometimes I'm looking down at that and feel like I'm representing other people as well. So sometimes that's when I can get maybe too excited, but. Mm. And I just think experience again. I just feel a lot more comfortable on any stage I play on now. Uh, and I think if you put all that together, it's just a, probably the answer to that question. How far off the? I mean, you had that sample of it at, at the Grand Slam. How far off the the Barna fell? I mean, you, it was very close in the end. Was was it ten six in the end? Yeah. You five two down, brought it back to five. Yeah, there was, a, there was a like moment. Barney yeah. Anderson, you played a very good match against. Yeah, there was a moment there at five eight for Barney where I could have went six five ahead, missed two darted double eight. I just don't think I can beat these guys working full time and, and having an hour or two hours on the board per night. You know, and if you include the stress of working 40 hours a week and you know, I'm often thinking about work when I'm away, um, it would be quite difficult to be playing these guys. I, you know, if, if, if or when I join the PDC, I'd have to have a long hard think about the, the balance which I touched on with Dom earlier. Mm. How do you get that? I mean, you must have to manage A, your time, and B, your energy, so how, how do you manage to juggle all those balls at the same it, time? In the BDO I do pick and choose, I concentrate on what's called the Category A plus, Category A competitions. I don't often go to the Romanias, the Poland, the, you know, the, 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 the what we call the smaller tournaments, the Cat C tournaments. So I pick and choose the, the English Open, the Scottish Open, the Welsh Open, mm -hmm. uh, and so therefore if you add them up, you know, I'm only maybe away half the time of what the majority of the players are so I'm going into them competitions fairly fresh mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not chasing points as much as what the others are so yeah. you know the balance is really really good at the moment but you know the balance would have to be looked at if I'm going into playing Michael Van Gerwen every week or you know you know the players of that calibre uh, and that would be something I'd have to think about if I do move over. I'm guessing work are very supportive. You're a state manager at Coast and Country, that's right. Yeah, they're brilliant. Um, but you know, at times they've let me know that yeah. you know it's it work comes first. Glenn darts, you know, darts is your hobby, and so they're not afraid. But they're absolutely a fantastic company to work for, and I'm very very proud of my job. And you know, I got my long service award a couple of years ago. So you know, if I could keep keep working and keep playing darts, then I would try and do that. If that's feasible, is a different question. No matter what happens, are you are you Teesside here to stay? You're obviously you're very proud of your roots and the fact that you come from the area. Yeah, I'm getting some work done to my house right now, so the, whatever winnings I'm getting done is getting pumped into my house. And nah, you know, I, I was one of them. I didn't leave Middlesbrough till I was 18 year old. You know, I just never travelled as a kid or anything. So no matter where I am in the world, you know, I can't wait to get home and you know listening to radio tees and wherever I am. 
you know, big Borough fan and reading the Gazette. Reading the Gazette, yeah, 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 and reading the Gazette. That was yeah, the podcast at BBC T's earlier, wasn't it? So, <laughs> so reading the Gazette, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's uh, yeah, there's no place like home, really. You know, with a pathetic scene, really, but I probably regret saying that. But I do miss home very quickly, and uh, any tournament I win, I will often come home and get a extra large palm off. Where from? Oh, oh well, I've got like a little diary actually. I'm, 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 I'm marking nine out of ten, eight out of ten. So yeah, they're all. I had a schnitzel in Holland this weekend because it was the closest thing to a palm over. No, poor man's effort. Didn't do it for you. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, poor man's effort. Fair dues, fair dues. You talk about the players like Van Gerwen and, and Taylor, and you can tell that you kind of, with respect, still put them on a bit of a pedestal. Yes. But you must. Is there a is there a point or a moment where you think? I am the same level as these. Do you need to think that to yeah. be able to, to play against them? Yeah, yeah. I think in answer to that question, um, yes, I, I think I need to be a little bit more ruthless and stop, you know, stop, what's, what's the word I'm trying to look for? When, you know, when I see these people, it's like, oh my God, there's Michael Van Gerwen. When, when actually, you know, I'm there to play these guys and beat these guys. And for me, it just demonstrates weakness if I'm, you know, going all gooey-eyed when I see these players. But it, it is difficult because I'm a real darts connoisseur. You know, if I, if I'd done a quiz on darts, I'd, I'd probably do really well because you know I watch tapes back, I watch DVD, but I watch YouTube's. You know, some of the old games. I'm big friends with the Bob Andersons, the Bristol's, the John Laws of this world, and uh, so I'm a real darts connoisseur. So you know, I have grew up on Phil Taylor. I have grew up on these players. So to suddenly be playing them now, it's it's not as easy just to shut that off. Um, but I need to learn to do that and learn very quickly. But there's every chance that young players coming through are now going to be looking at you in the same light and thinking that. I find that really difficult and find it's, you know, when, when I got the Cleveland Youth Games and, you know, when, when, when I was pretty much running the Teesside ranking events, I could see that in their eyes. Uh, and so I, I find that quite difficult to deal with, really. But I get an awful lot of satisfaction out of doing it. You know, I, all my darts, dart boards, I get, you know, it all goes to charity, it all goes to the youth darts and things like that. I try and do my best in my way to support them young players. And that'd be another thing, you know, when I do finish darts, uh, I will definitely put some effort into giving my knowledge, my experiences back to them. If you don't mind talking about it, we spoke before and about last year's semi final defeat at Lakeside and just how, how long it took, how, how difficult that was to get over. Pretty devastating. Is it? You know the Martin Adams game. Dom, I, I understood why I lost. I just wasn't ready to win that match, and it was a real mental battle for me of thinking, oh, "Oh my God, I'm going to be in a world final here." I wasn't ready at that point to win that match. Yeah. Uh, but against Scott Waits last year, you know, four two up, two nil up, and a hundred and forty ahead, I should not lose that match. Uh, and that's you know it, it haunt, it'll haunt me for the rest of my life because last year I was ready to win Lakeside and there was such an emphasis on whoever wins this match is good, probably going to go on and win the world title and uh, you know I put all my eggs in one basket but I can't answer why I lost that game at least with Adams I come off and I knew and when I done my when I analysed where I went wrong I knew the answer that Scott Waits one I just it'll it'll hurt for a long long time. But although obviously the pain's still there, you don't feel as though it's going to hold you back this year. You feel as though it could fuel you. There was a strong possibility. I thought I'm not going to win a tournament in 2016. I didn't want to look at a dartboard. You know, any thoughts of going to Q school last year was was ended quite quickly because I did not want to. The guys when you go to Q school, they're young, they're enthusiastic, they've got the eye of the tiger. I was someone who was down. My shoulders were down. Didn't want to look at a dartboard. And I think there was only going to be one winner if I got into Q school last year. So, you know, it's just, it, it was very, very difficult. But, you know, the season's turned out to be my best season ever. And, and I, you know, I've got to take the real positives from that. You know, I got back on the horse. I started winning tournaments again. And, uh, you know, to, to win the Masters last week was just the icing on the cake, really, with only Lakeside now to come. Adam, obviously you've been covering darts for a, for a fair few years. Did you did you see and obviously Glenn sat here with us? But did you see kind of Glenn's improvement coming? Did you see him getting to the level he's at now? Well, funnily enough, I think one of the many times we spoke on the phone, I said to you, it must be about a year ago. Who would have thought when we were I was covering you for the Gazette doing the Teesside ranking tournaments that here we would be mm. just a couple of years down the line and you'd be your number one? So, I mean, it, to me, it's been as mm. 
I wouldn't say mind-boggling, but it's an astounding story, really. And I, I hope this doesn't come across as sort of disrespectful. Adam Steele has been absolutely fantastic to me. You know, he, he really showcased my talents uh, and he showcased the Teesside ranking events and very, very early. So that's why whenever he, you know, when people are ringing me after tournaments now, if Adam rings, I'll answer the phone, I'll respond to him. And that has been very much appreciated. But you know, Adam's been, and I hate using the word journey, but I, I, you know, Adam's been right on this journey from Teesside ranking events to the World Master, and he's been right by my side there. And uh, if, if it's not a shock to him, it's certainly a shock to me because I didn't expect to go from winning local Middlesbrough tournaments to you know to becoming the BDO World Master back to back. Um, so, but yeah, it's been it's been great, and it's been very very much appreciated the support. And speaking about that, that evolution from. From there to here, mm. you seem to be somebody who, who does thrive in that adversity. You, you mentioned that Adam's defeat and the Wales mm. defeat, and how you've responded to that. I remember, I think it was the 2009 UK Open. You mm. played Terry Jenkins. I think you lost nine one at Bolton. I remember you coming off stage saying, "I don't know how they do it, these big players. I can't remember a dart of it, yeah. and yet here you are, all these years. Like you learned a lot from that experience, didn't you?" In a nutshell, I learned so much. I, I remember walking onto the stage and it was about 110, 120 degrees with them TV lights on you. I'd been practicing. We talked about practice just prior to this podcast. And I'd been practicing from the moment I got in and I was meant to be on board eight. The match got uh, switched, didn't it? Yeah, I was meant to be on board eight against Terry Jenkins and uh, someone had gone to Terry and said, don't take this guy lightly. He's, you know, he's, he's winning tournaments in the Northeast and he's want to be, you know, want to be watched. And so I practiced from the moment I got in and uh, felt fantastic. And then they came up to me and said, if Phil Taylor beats Chris Mason 9-0 on 9-1, you're going live on that stage. Well, I was praying for 9-2, 9-3, because I did not want to go. And I felt I could have beat Terry Jenkins on the floor. So I got on the stage and I'd done a lot of practice. So I was hot. And then I walked and there were big, heavy dart shirts in them days. Uh, and I was sweating profusely and I got up there um, I remember throwing darts and they were falling out, uh, and I remember Terry Jenkins playing so well. But out, the, you know, I played ten legs of darts, walked off, and I couldn't remember a thing. But what I did remember was how much it hurt, and how much I needed to improve to get to that standard. And I locked my door for two years, and done five hours every single night, and I felt like I came out. Um, much the better player because of that experience. And you mentioned idolising some of these big players, but but now they're seeing you as a genuine threat because they've seen up close and personal what you can do. What wasn't there a few funny backstage stories from the Grand Slam and one involving Van Gerwen, for example? Yeah, Michael Van Gerwen must have. I think Michael Van Gerwen said something really nice, and because I was getting all these messages, and it, it was something like the BDO got no chance apart from Glenn Durant, who I don't know who he is. So it was a bit little contradicting himself a little bit <laughs> but he certainly clapped eyes on me as soon as I got into the into the back room and if I can just explain the back room it's just for the players on that day it's um, it was quite a cold environment it was like a, a an old town hall but he looked he, he wanted me and so I got onto the practice board uh, where he was playing I, I have a little see how he does it and I had nine darts at the board and no drink. So I'm three or four hours before I play and I have no drink. And he said, we play a game. I was like, and I thought, well, I don't say no to him. Is it showing weakness? And if you scored 180, you got three points, 142 points, and 100 is one point, And it's the first one to 21. So he said, you go first. So I, I sliced a massive big five first dart <laughs> and scored 45. And I was just like just score one Glenn and he goes and he gets a miserable 60 or something and he mutters something I then went 180 and so you throw again if you hit 180 I went 180 again and he, he mumbled if you hit 141 you win the match here which I didn't but I think I scored something like another 100 so I'm something like 7 nil up he then scores 2 or 3 points and then I go on this 180 140 180 and I beat him 21-7 and the people are looking at me and was like shaking their heads saying you shouldn't have done that Glenn <laughs> because he then really wanted to rip my head off in practice 
He wanted to just get all for the next three. We practice, we practice. Now you have no say in the matter. And no, no. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say no, but I never did play him again. Something happened, TV interviews, other people began to practice with me. But people said he will not forget that and he'll be looking for me whatever tournament that we play that game so he win. He's an absolute winner. There's just everything about him, the, the aura when he walked into that room. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not, and it wasn't adulation because most people were like, oh, it's only, it's only him type thing. You know? But he has this aura, he's this immense personality and I was fascinated by the guy and I was trying to learn things from, from what he was doing. Uh, but, but very funny but I think the funniest story was the day I played Nathan Derry so we talked about practice just prior to this podcast and I'm someone who like I'll go in I always have six bottles of bud before I play it's not huge three pints and I think that's on the other bees are available yeah uh, yeah other bees are available yeah so yeah I always have six bottles of lager sorry before I play <laughs> and uh and, and 15 minute practice sessions here and there then I'll sit back down if I do 180 I'll sit back down because why continue because my arm's in and this Nathan Derry is going up there from 6 o'clock 7 o'clock 8 o'clock and he's practicing them. then there was this huge roar because Nathan had did this 9 data in practice and I'm saying to my wife yeah, I've got to believe in what I do and I can't go and practice yet because that's not the way I do things and he practised, and he practised, and it went on, and I done my bit, and they said, right, Glenn, can we go closest to the bull now? And uh, Nathan, what a lovely lad, and we are now friends, but he, he does have a, an awkward throw, and a bit of a quarter past three throw, if you ask me. <laughs> so I thought, well, I don't think I'm going to win the bully, because I'm quite cold, and he's never come off the board. Well, he goes to the board for the bulls, he goes first, I'm luck, I go to sharp my darts, and, and he hits treble 11. And I could see at that moment then, I thought, he... It was, a, it was a big game, you know, whoever went that was playing Barney in the last That's 16 right. and I just looked in his eyes and I thought, you've gone and we got on the stage, we shook hands, he was soaking wet so my man was just win that first leg of darts and uh, so it just goes to show you, know, you know, how funny, just just stick to what you know you know, like, as much as like he was practice, pra- he threw his best, he was throwing nine darters in the practice board mm. so you've just got to get that practice balance right can I just ask you, you mentioned there about three pints beforehand. Mm. Obviously, darts of old mm. is associated with, yeah. with fellas getting leathered before they yes. go up and, and they go and play. Is that still, obviously not to that level, but is, is it still part of the game for, for, the, for the lads to have a tibble before they go yeah, on the stage? They're not, they're not the nine o'clock news sent the darts game you know, backwards 30 years, mm. you know, that fat belly versus even fatter belly and he's going for a triple, triple vodka. Look, I'd be lying if I said there's not some big drinkers out there. You know, there's some there's some guys there who do rely on their drink, but you know the Chris Dobies of this world, the Adam Hunts of this world, all local lads. Um, who else? Um, really good player, Gary Anderson. You know, they're winning tournaments on a glass of coke. Mm. You know, well, Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson. Occasionally, have a little bit of a, a glass of red wine, but he very rarely drinks. Um, and there's there's players like that, top of the game. Um, that's the one I'm thinking of. Ian White. Just a glass of coke. So for every you know for every big drinker that's on there, and you know there the is someone there who are, you know a teetotal. Do you think the game obviously it's changed in the last ten years? Do, do you see it con- continuing to transform, or do you think it's it's you know it's maybe hit its level now? And... Yeah, another great question, and 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 the worry is as you know when you're selling out uh, a Premier League in Holland in forty-seven minutes, twelve thousand people, you know the bubble's got to burst at some point. But there's a fantastic product there, you know, it's a working man's sport, it costs you 20 quid to get your materials to play this sport, you know, you can get a good set of darts for, for 20 quid in a dart board, so, it, it, you know, the roots are there, but have we eat the pinnacle? I mean, Barry Hearn, and they're talking about going worldwide, you know, he's negotiating with the Far East, they're, you know, there's, when I went to the World Cup, you know, there was... Um, India, Iran, you know, all, all them countries there. You've got to go to Poland, Bulgaria, Romania. You know, the game is absolutely bouncing over there, and I see no signs of it slowing down. Obviously, you've played now in, in big competitions in the BDO and the PDC. What is, what is the main difference between the two? Um, 
I know obviously the obvious answer is is the the, the depth of quality at the top maybe, but, yeah. but in terms of the, you know playing in the in the events and I've, the crowd and on the stage. And I've talked about the product there, and the, and the crowds are very different. You know, the PDC was extremely professional, and uh, I'm a BDO man. You know, yeah, I've, that's all I've ever done the BDO, and I, I'll never say a bad word about them, but. You know, when you talk about funny stories, you know, at the PDC, I went into the players' room the next day, and I was ushered out, and I was like, "But I, I said I'm a player." They said, "We know you are, but you're not playing today, so you're not in t- you're not entitled to the professionalism." And, and when you go at the lakeside, there's this VIP room, and it's just a sponsor's paradise, and I'm trying to focus and play a game there, and I've got all these people around me, drink, shouting, screaming. The PDC is utter silence. So when you're ready and focused for a game, that 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 was something that really really impressed me. The PDC are getting ten, twenty. You know the the Premier League must be raking in millions and millions and millions, and that's why they're able to play. I mean, I think it's something ridiculous of half a million pound to the winner this year. If it's not this year at the World Championships, it's next year. You know the the money is phenomenal there. They've they've created something uh, which is pretty special. Within the BDO, you're going to most tournaments there. It's 10 quid a tournament, 500 to 1,000 people in that competition. You know, the PDC concentrate on 128 people at over £100 to go entry. You know, so you need good sponsorship if you're going to if you're gonna be a success in the PDC. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a great sponsor uh, who sponsors uh, Yellow Class and Kim Hybrids, Mensa Sulevich, uh, a couple of the young guys coming through, you know, so... Everything is laid there. If I decide to go to the PDC and get through Q School, because it's okay saying, are you going to PDC, Glenn? And I can answer them questions, but I've got to get through a quite ruthless and uh, difficult uh, Q School where there's going to be 500 people there with only 20 people who's going to be successful in getting their tour card. So what I've got to think about, I mean, I've never had any money in my life. Never, you know, until the past couple of years, I've lived on absolutely nothing. Um, whereas now I'm bringing in a, a very handsome income uh, and it's, it's all working really well so you know my, mo- my motivation has never ever been about money you know my motivation is to succeed my motivation is to reach the top uh, and if I do go to the PDC my motivation of doing that is because I want to play the best It's clear you've served your time mm. do you feel like you're deserving of the success you're getting now? Uh, mm. I don't know if I deserve it because, I, like I said, it, it it is hard work. I have put the work in. I'm not someone like, oh God, man, mine's not. There's natural players out there who probably don't pick a data from one week to another and, and and win tournaments. You know, I'll be practicing tonight. I was practicing the day after I lost to weights. You know, the day after I won the World Masters. I, I, it's just part of my culture uh, to do that. So I don't know if anyone deserves anything, but I've certainly worked hard to to start winning tournaments. And, and we said we talked Borough as well, Adam. He was chatting to to us beforehand about kind of how how you, you know you've been following Borough eighty eight, eighty nine, your home yeah. and away. Yeah. yeah, I'm a Bruce Rioch uh, era. Um, you know, Stephen Pears, Gary Parkinson, um, Mowbray, Pallister. I was a big Gary Hamilton fan. Absolutely, my favourite player of all time was Archie Stevens, Bernie Slaven, Ripley. You know that that was my era, home and away. Um, and I think my funniest story of that era was that I went to Huddersfield. I used to play boys billiards, uh, so we played a game, Eston Labour Club versus someone. And we decided to go away to Huddersfield, but at that eighty-eight, eighty-nine, hooligans was you know quite a big thing. So you know my parents were a bit like you sure where there's no such thing as mobile phones then. So we get four or five of us, fifteen-year-old uh, to eighteen-year-old maximum. And we arrive in Huddersfield train station. Well, the Huddersfield massive are waiting for all <laughs> these huge amount of Borough fans to get there. And there's five lads walk from get off this train from Eston, and the the walkers down uh, Leeds Road. So, a big big football fan, and, and Middlesbrough Football Club have been very very good to me. And I took the World Masters trophy on the uh, pitch last year, and that was like very special. And that was as good as anything that I've had. Uh, it, it, over the past couple of years, it was very humbling. It was you know, I was treated very well. I've become good friends with Neil Madison and Steve Vickers, and they'll always send me messages before I play a tournament. So, you know, and they play Liverpool tonight, and you know, I'll be right behind them because uh, I think just you know, it's a good manager there now. It's you know, I did like the era of Ravinelli and Janino, and I didn't mind losing four three because we gave it a go. 
you know, whereas Karanka really is you know, he's very tactical, very European. He, he'll play for nil-nil at half-time, he'll work out their game and he'll go for a 1-0 win. I think he'll keep us up, but it's not the football that, you know, you know that, that, that I'd like to see. It's just... It, it breeds success. You know, I should, I'm not, certainly not mourning, but, and I'm not looking for a 4-3 loss tonight or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see them doing really well. That, when you touched on there about going on the pitch beforehand and what have you, and I guess that comes back to what we were saying about about darts as a sport. As you're walking down the street, people will recognise you now, which which might not have been the case mm. ten years ago. That's just another example of, of of the growth of the sport, isn't it? The people of Middlesbrough uh, have been amazing, but what I would say to that is that week I had in Wolverhampton, more people recognised me in Wolverhampton right. than than ten years with the BDO. You know, I think I was recognised after the Adams game when I was shopping in Asda, but nothing. Nothing huge, but that week I had uh, on Sky, that week I had with um, at the Grand Slam. All of a sudden, people are like, and I'm looking away, thinking, "Oh, are you talking to me?" It's, 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 it's all a little bit strange sometimes, but it's you know, as soon as I get home, it's back to the ground, really. And this year, Adam, I've I've followed Glenn for a long time. Obviously, it's it's all eyes on Lakeside. I think so, and I think now's the time to do it. Obviously, you you're in form, you're full of confidence. You must have got wings from your performance at the Grand Slam you've got to be going there full of beans and thinking you can get over that line yeah now's the time Adam it's uh, I'd be very disappointed to come back and I'll speak to you after Lakeside and, and I haven't won it but I, you know, I, I've got the toughest first round draw of them all again very very similar to last year where I drew a young Welsh lad who I championed to Dean Reynolds Dean Reynolds who's gone on to big things dominating the PDC development to uh, winning tournaments in the BDO you know, and I knew that. And the guy I've got this next year, uh, this year is just the mirror image of Nick Kenny. Nick Kenny will be a top eight seed when we look at the BDO Lakeside finals next year. But what I would say is that he's making me practice again. And had I got one of the lesser players, then maybe he get lazy on the practice board. So the idea of playing Nick Kenny uh, this year is is just is making me practice that extra half hour. So, but a really tough draw. So I'm not looking past that to be really honest. I was going to ask you, have you had a sneak peek yeah, at your side of the draw? Yeah. I mean, what could it be? Yeah, I mean, it, to win it, I'm looking at beating uh, Nick Kenny. Martin Phillips has got a tough game. He's got a guy called Paul Hogan who's, uh, you know, he's very good on the circuit. But you're looking at then playing Martin Phillips in the last 16, Wesley Harms in the quarters, Jamie Hughes in the semis, and I would guess Scott Mitchell in the final. If I had to look, Scott Waits, you can never write off because it's his week, it's it's yeah. his tournament. So uh, I wish I didn't look at draws. You know, I wish I didn't go. If I get him, I play him. I do that because sometimes that's half the battle. Mm. But you can't help but have a sneaky look. But pr- pretty much the focus is on Nick Kenny. But you've had that dry run, as we mentioned before we, we even started this podcast. You just returned the World Masters mm. at the Lakeside. Yeah. That, that's got to be on that stage is really important and then to go to the Finders Masters where he had five of the top seven averages averaged over a hundred twice and I didn't feel I was in top gear there because um, I was getting the graveyard shifts with you know half past midnight I had to play my second round game uh, so I've come through all the adversity of uh, trying to retain my Finders Masters in Holland this week so I'm on top of the world but like I said when you go to the Lakeside it's just a different week to the other 51 in the year I'm guessing darts as well as the kind of game you, you mentioned it many times before. You can't get carried away with the fact you're playing well. Imagine one game you can be a superstar, the next you can be you kind of an also around. It's a funny game, darts in and, and that goes back to that consistency. I, if I've got a positive, I'm a very consistent player. And it's not often I'll I'll hit under ninety averages now. It's it's not often I hit over a hundred averages. So that I'm consistently around that mid nineties. And if anyone can beat that over three, five, seven, nine sets then that's what they're going to have to do because I, I won't be having a bad game in Lakeside. So they've just got to get up there and uh, you know just try and beat me uh, playing, playing my best. What aspects of your game do you think have improved this year as you've enjoyed this phenomenal run? I think my mental focus. I think you know, the, guy, the, you know, the work I've been doing with Stephen, I think there's no coincidence that the past two years have been my best two years. The past two years I've been working with this guy who sends me text messages, he sends me you know, discs, he sends me music, soothing music. He sends me upbeat music. Tells me when to play it. Tells me what to think when you know when I am four two up and two nil up and Scott Waiters fighting back. I think I know what to do this time. Um, 
and so we, 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 you know, we look at where things could have gone wrong and he's been, uh, he's been a big help to me. Well, you seem to be a kind of a prolific maximum hitter these days as well. You're getting quite a few ton plus checkouts. Yeah, so. yeah, and that's not my game. My game is give me a dart or a double and I'll, I'll hit it. You know, I'll score pretty much with the same of them, but you know, you've just got to, if you hit a treble 20, you know, you've just got to learn to follow them ones in now. And, uh, but my strength over the years has always been if you round about the 64 to 80, You'll often finish round about them scores, and if you're regularly hitting, checking out in 64, 76, 80, you know them scores. I practice really, really hard on that area, so it's not necessarily just playing five or one games. It's not necessarily trying to check out in one six one. I'm working on a one sixty four, a one sixty five, sixty six, and that's a game which is uh, which has really helped me. Can I ask as well, I'm, I'm a boxing fan, this might have some crossover help, it might not. I, I wasn't aware that your, your missus was related to Peter Richards. Yeah. Does he give you advice? Um, he works away, Peter, now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I've been with that family and that family for close to 30 years now, and you know, I've followed his career for many. He, he's proud of me, you know, but you know, I, I was there. He, he was a fantastic boxer, but, and, but like Ricky Hatton, he, he would cut very easily. And I, I remember being in Liverpool watching him fighting John Smith. And he boxed his head off. Five rounds, you know, there was people just talking about how much he oozed class because he was a fantastic amateur. He, he jabbed well, he moved well, didn't have a vicious right hook, you know, he didn't he couldn't knock people out. Technician. He was well he was called the craftsman, that was his name. He he was that was his nickname, the, the craftsman. Um but then this guy from nowhere, big haymaker, just busts Peter's mm. face open. And that was just pride and fighting for the Commonwealth title against a guy called Shane Neary at the time. Shamrock Express. Yeah, the Shamrock Express. So I'm a massive boxing fan. And if you ever want to get me on to Sugar Rain, I mean, my, my early nickname, God, I, I maybe should not say this, but it was something like Robert, uh, Glenn Roberto Durant. <laughs> it was some, the hands of tungsten, honestly. I might regret, yeah, you can edit that actually. <laughs> I think if that gets out, but, uh, but I'm a massive boxing fan. That era, yeah. the Ali, are you. And I watch them now, uh, I've got them all. Well, Peter beat Vernon Forrest, didn't he? Yeah, Vernon, yeah, yeah he died. He got quite a bit yeah. upset, obviously, because mm -hmm. Vernon died. But mm -hmm. great story behind that one. And that was about sticking your tongue out, because Americans hate you sticking your tongue out. So Peter was goading him before. So he came out all aggressive, so Peter just jabbed away. Just jabbed away, and he just wanted to knock Peter out. So there was a little bit of mind games there. Um, and he was boxing fantastically well. He boxed the Romanian in the quarterfinals. And... Uh, he went on to be a world champion as well, so it was a fantastic period. So you know the family has seen all this. You know they, 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 they nothing really impresses my wife because she you know when, when I first met her, it was like oh yeah with Peter Richardson, yeah. you know so um, you know it it see it goes back it's the family's good mm. grounding. Perhaps that's been a help down the line with you then because mm. you've been exposed to these big events. Yeah 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 it was some I've been to some amazing you know some amazing ABA shows and. Some fantastic uh, professional shows as well. I was always down the Elephant and Castle down in London, and that's where Peter boxed under Frank Maloney at the time. Uh, so yeah, there were happy times with Peter, but you know he must look back now because he was an amazing boxer. Mm. He just, he just had one of them. He had the skin that cut, mm. and if he just didn't have that big right as well, where you know he could really knock someone out, in, you know, in a round or two, he was always going to be boxing. Eight, seven, eight, until he systematically sort of destroyed people where he didn't have that Ricky Hatton punch. You know that, you know that, you know that that real magic there. But as an amateur, he was sensational. That, that's something that I, I often think about. That the Eston area, Grangetown area, South Bank, so many natural sportsmen come yeah. out of that neck of the woods. Yeah. I mean, you must have seen a lot of lads as well who could, yeah. who had the potential to go further and, and haven't quite yeah. made it. I mean, Whether I, it's in darts or whatever. I'm straight away thinking Colin Osborne because there was a guy who used to play in the South Bank St. Peter's Club and then all of a sudden I, he was at the UK Open the year you were there, Adam. Yeah, and uh, we, we, I got beat off and we could hear this shouting and screaming and when I went over and I said, it's the South Bank lads. And then I watched this guy who the year before was literally having three darts at the board playing his game and then back on the snooker table and he'd had a year he'd moved to Derby he had a year on the board because he was naturally good Colin uh, and he was special I'll never ever I went home I was open mouthed out how good he was he, he was going through sets and sets with a minimum score of 140 
Uh, then there was Truscott, the boxer, who was I followed his career uh, really well. But yeah, it, it, you know, we touched on it earlier. You know, there's some really good sportsmen out there that's come through from this area. I'm a big, big friends with Dave Causier. I know I passed his details mm-hmm. on when he won the uh, World Billiards title this year, and uh, you know, they're all they're all good lads, all very humbled. And it's uh, a real hotbed area for for sport and. When I was at the Gazette Awards, you know, last year, that that was absolutely a, a wonderful night, and uh, I really did enjoy it. Richard Kilty won on the night, but I felt a million dollars, you know, and to have Alistair Brownlee there doing it was just the absolute icing on the cake, and probably my favourite moment of two thousand and fifteen that that night. How healthy is darts, Cleveland darts, Teesside darts? You you play for County. You- Jordan Matthews, the likes of him. Jordan, through. yeah, Jordan has the has the talent. It's it's about the application now. Um, he hit that. I mean, he hit a real peak by hitting the nine data, and and everybody in the country was talking about him. Was in Sheffield, wasn't it? Yeah, he was having sponsors coming to him, and you know, I've tried to help him out a little bit himself, but now it's over to Jordan. You know, he's had. He knows what it's like. He's done the PDC youth. He's had some phenomenal. Uh, successes there, semi-finals, and you know he would ring me after each round, and and I know he respects me, and I would love to give more time to people like Jordan. There's, there's a young kid called Sean Jowers coming through now, and you know when I think of the Sam Grahams, the Johnny Gardners, all these guys came through the T side ranking, but I've pulled away from that a little bit, and you know it, it is a regret. But I, I went to the Saltburn Open, you know, last week, and. I provided you know some dartboards, some shirts, some darts, you know, just to help with the prize money. Uh, I tried to do my bit, so it's a very, very healthy, you know, it's very healthy. Cleveland County are doing, you know, the fly and the flag. They're in Division One, uh, so you know, it's 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 a good area to be in. You know, the the love the darts. And does the does a nickname stay? I know you're tied with changing it. Yeah, the, does it from here on. Yeah, there was one. We go back to that first nickname for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah that's 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 <laughs> Edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, I think they they done something on something online and and Showtime won it, uh, but uh, it just I don't know. Uh, it just didn't ring true, and I quite liked it. I mean, my nickname at school was Dozer. It's all right. of, you know. I keep when people call me Glenn near work, I, I don't turn around because I've just grew up with the name Dozer, so that's stuff. But yeah, Roberto Durant or a short time were the only options out there. And the entrance, you got to tinker with the entrance yeah, music. It was, was really, like. really disappointing because you know when you walk out to Pig Bag, I, I, I do growing stature yeah. and mm. they put something. I said, "Oh, you choose." I spat my dummy out a little bit. I won't lie. It was the old diva come out with me, and <laughs> I wanted roses to walk, and they wouldn't do that to me. And they, they, they gave me some country and western thing. I think <laughs> something they gave me. You know. There was talk of Agadu, there was talk of uh, Oasis, uh, I can't remember what it was. Then I went back to my very original one, which um, the new Radicals, you only get yes, yeah, yeah. and that was my original great track. song. So if I do go to PDC, I will be looking, I'll probably be asking the Gazette readers uh, to yeah, pick a pick song for me. Yeah. Because the, Lewis has got Pig Bag. He's got so. Pig Bag and it went like down like a lead balloon. The um, Power was Game, the, was it? Yeah, Power Game. It went down like a lead balloon really? because it's a great opening. Yeah, it's cl- but but after twenty seconds, it's pretty dreadful, and everyone you you could see people scratching their <laughs> thing. And I was walking down, I was trying to sprint down to get it turned off. But fantastic opening. But uh, yeah, I'll be looking for something. Yeah, Glenn, that's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Loved every second of that. Hopefully, we'll do it again after Christmas, and yeah. there'll be a uh, and there'll be a trophy sat on the table. In yeah, best of luck at the lakeside, and we'll be following you every leg of the way. Big As thanks. Always do. Big thanks to you both guys. You've been big support over the year, especially you, Adam. And uh, yeah, big thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Cheers, man. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. All right.